Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you all for listening to Locked On Pelicans. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'm also a writer over at BourbonStreetShots.com, where you can check out most of my work and a lot of other great Pelicans analysis. Uh, so today, first podcast back after the long Thanksgiving weekend. Didn't come to you on Thursday or Friday. Uh, just didn't seem right with everything going on with the holiday. The Pelicans did have some games in that uh, stretch as well. Playing uh, Wednesday night against the Timberwolves at home, where they absolutely killed them, uh, and then going on Portland on Black Friday against uh, playing Portland on Black Friday, where they did lose, snapping that four-game winning streak before getting a pretty winnable game last night against the Dallas Mavericks. That team only has two wins. Uh, not a very good basketball club at all right now. They're just oddly. Uh, created, I guess is maybe the best word, put together, where it seems like they should be good, but they're not, and then Dirk's out, and he's not even that good, so maybe that's helping them, and just all around, that's it's a weird roster, but it, you know, again, it's a two-win basketball team, uh, this was a game the Pelicans should win, uh, if you watched it last night, you know that wasn't the case, as they fell 91 to uh, 81, a 10-point loss, just absolutely horrible from the Pelicans, uh, especially down the stretch, though it was close most of the game. I'm really just going to talk about that game, the Mavericks game. I did manage to watch the other two ones, even though I was in freezing cold North Alabama, about six hours away from New Orleans. But the the Mavericks game is kind of the big one that I want to talk about, and it'll lead into some points about the other games. Uh, so that's going to be the focus of Locked On Pelicans today. Tomorrow I'll come at you all with a preview of the Lakers game uh, that they're going to be playing at home on Tuesday night in the Smoothie King Center. That should be a really fun one. I just finished watching the Lakers. Uh, absolutely kind of wrecked. Atlanta uh, wasn't quite that close at all. Uh, this is the same Atlanta team, of course, that the Pelicans just absolutely blew out the other night. I talked about that for you guys on Wednesday, but this Atlanta team's really hit a wall. Uh, but the Lakers, the young Lakers that people thought were going to be really bad, have been pretty good. Uh, so that's not really a necessarily a winnable game uh, for a six-win Pelicans team anymore. Uh, so that'll be the Tuesday preview, and then we'll get into topics. We'll recap that on Wednesday. Uh, maybe do a, a bit of a mailbag if anyone wants to tweet me questions at Nola Jake on Twitter or at Locked On Pelicans or at Locked On Pels is the name of uh, the, the podcast account. Uh, I'll answer some Pelicans questions on the podcast, talk about some other topics, you know, potentially what comes out of uh, this Lakers game before previewing the Clippers game for you guys on Friday. So before I jump into recapping the Mavs game, that 91-81 loss, which is a really weird game, but I'm going to touch on that in a second. Don't forget, Locked on Pelicans, we're on iTunes, we're on Audio Boom. You can subscribe there. Uh, if you search Locked on Pelicans on Stitcher, that's the app I know most people use. It's what I personally use uh, to listen to all the different podcasts that I've really started getting into. I'll tell you, I never started, I was never a big podcast guy before I started doing this. And then I started listening to the Locked on NBA podcast, the Locked on NBA, uh, the fan 
Fantasy Basketball Podcast and just the general NFL one along with Locked On Saints. I'm a big Colts fan, as I think a lot of people know from following me on Twitter. I listen to Locked On Colts. Uh, this is kind of my background noise throughout the day. I used to have, like, I work from home, so Netflix used to be on just to have some noise, and now it's podcasts all the time, and it's been pretty great. Uh, but Locked On Pelicans, we're on iTunes, on Audio Boom. If you, if you go there to listen to it, make sure you're subscribing to the RSS feed. That way you're getting us daily uh, right to you. You know, I put these up. They go up at 6 a.m. to make it for anyone, you know, if you're commuting to work or just getting ready in the morning, whatever it might be, uh, you know, that's where you're going to find us. Uh, Also, if you can, rate it. Five stars. That's a wonderful thing. Come on. This is a long Pelican season and no one else is coming to you five days a week like this. You got to reward me a little bit, I think, for for what we're doing here. Uh, So please definitely do that. Share it, whether it's on Twitter, on Facebook, any social media is a wonderful thing. I always still say, hey, if you got someone who's a Pelicans fan, just tell them about the podcast. Try and get them to listen to an episode. I like that type of sharing, too. And thank you all very much for listening as well. So there is a whole hell of a lot to take away from this 91-81 loss um, with the New Orleans Pelicans to the Dallas Mavericks. The now 3-13, that's a really bad football record uh, in the NFL Dallas Mavericks team. Pelicans now at 6-12, just not a good game overall for this team whatsoever. Uh, you know, they, they kept it close. They actually went down 20 to 26 in the first quarter, managed to fight back over the next two quarters to, to pretty much tie the game, keep it even. And then, uh, you know, went into this fourth quarter where they had were either tied or leading by a little bit, um, for most of the game. And then it was about six minutes left in the game. Uh, they absolutely fell apart. And that's where they ended up getting – that's where they lost the game, I can tell you guys right now. So when you, when you look at this game, you got to really uh, – the most interesting things came with 6.03 left in the game. At that point, uh, the Pelicans were up 71-70, and then they proceeded to get outscored 10-21. to And that's your game in six minutes, a 21-10 to run in favor of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, if you look at this game, there's not really a whole lot of reason the Pelicans should have lost like they did. You know, when digging through the box score, the Pelicans turned it over 13 times, but the Dallas turned it over 12. It wasn't, you know, exactly horrible. Uh, you know, Dallas turned that into 21 points. That's about normal for that sort of situation. Uh, you know, but after that, it was the rebounding uh, was pretty good for the Pelicans. They grabbed boards at the right times. They did a good job overall with that. Uh, the points in the paint, Dallas scored 34, only 34, which for the Pelicans is actually pretty good. Uh, and part of it is uh, that all came on drives. Andrew Bogut was the only guy down low doing it, really any work. Uh, that was kind of fearsome on the low block, and the Pelicans limited him. He only played, uh, I think it was only, he played 28, 29 minutes. Um, but they held Dallas to two fast break points. Dallas doesn't play particularly fast, actually. Um, if you look at it, this pace tonight was 87.36. Uh, That's Kumar, one of our writers uh, for Bourbon Street Shots, who pointed that out to me. Uh, you want to know the pace for the four wins they had in a row. The pace against Mini was 107.8. Atlanta was 97.8. Charlotte, 102.94. And Portland, 99.62. Uh, Dallas forced a very slow pace uh, in this game uh, against the Pelicans, and they used that to their advantage. They didn't want to play in a fast-paced game, a run-and-gun game, where they had to keep up score for score. Dallas isn't good like that. They'd like to shoot threes, but the problem is they're not particularly great. They don't have a particularly strong inside game um, in terms of big men. They like to drive and then kick out. 
but they don't want to play in a fast pace. That's not how Rick Carlisle plays with this team. They want to go slow, plotting, let their defense do the work, grab rebounds, grab extra possessions on the offensive glass, and they were doing that. Uh, and the Pelicans weren't able to kind of imprint their own, you know, their thumbprint, their fingerprint on this game and play it with a quicker pace, which I think would have helped them. Uh, Dallas, you know, uh, for the again, you know, it's a 48-minute game, and for 42 minutes of it, they weren't playing great offense. It's only in those final six minutes uh, that they really came alive. Uh, those final six minutes, let me tell you some of the, the numbers here. Their offensive rating for Dallas was 217.8. That's terrible. That's really, really, really bad. Not what the Pelicans want to be giving up at all. Um, Pelicans themselves actually had a good offensive rating at uh, 115.7. That's much higher than their season average. So, they, you know, even though they only scored 10 points, they were actually, the, because the pace was so low, they had so few possessions, they were actually using those possessions quite effectively, uh, minus the two turnovers they had in that time. Dallas, on the other hand, was scorching hot on offense, and that's not because they're a great team. Uh, in those final two minutes, I'm going to tell you guys who scored. And, you know, this is really going to tell you where the Pelicans lost this game. Harrison Barnes scored nine points. He made one three-pointer. So he scored, you know, the other points, uh, the other six by isolation plays. It was him driving to the rim and Solomon Hill actually just uh, being unable to keep him out of the paint and to stop him from making his shots. He was scorching hot. Some of those shots were actually decently contested, uh, and he was making them. That three-pointer he made, particularly bad defense by Solomon Hill, in my opinion. Uh, he got a pick set. I forget who it was by. I think it might have been Bogut. Uh, and Solomon Hill goes underneath the screen, so he goes between the screener and the basket, and it gave Harrison Barnes, who was red hot at this point in the game, enough for him to shoot a wide-open three, which he, of course, made. Solomon Hill in that situation needs to fight through the screen, go above it, go between the screener and the ball handler, in this case Harrison Barnes and whoever set the screen for him, stay close to him. Solomon Hill's a big, strong guy. He can actually fight through screens. It's not something a lot of Pelicans uh, players are able to do, but he can. He goes under the screen, which is a bit of a lazy defensive tactic there, tries to take away the drive, and just leaves Harrison Barnes wide open to shoot which he did and he made if you go fight through the screen hard go above it you can at least stay by him if he tries to drive you can still play good defense on him there and you can test it if it's an open three point or if he tries to pull up from three that's not what happened so Harrison Barnes did the damage right there nine points the other guy who did damage Wesley Matthews eight points he was two of two from three at that point uh so one other bucket coming uh you know right there so he you know, was hitting shots. The Pelicans were just unable to defend him. He was left wide open multiple times. This goes back to the problems that have always been there. This goes back to Monty Williams, even. Perimeter defense. That's the entire issue. They can have Oshik on the court all they want. They can have Anthony Davis out there all they want. If you can't guard the perimeter with this team, it's not going to matter at all. Wesley Matthews, he's a good three-point shooter. I actually have him on my fantasy team. You shouldn't have him open for three. I have him in there just to shoot, just to help me in the three-point category in points because he doesn't do anything else. That's his one job. You know, you had one job. He did it well. Pelicans didn't do theirs of defending him on the perimeter. That takes communication, knowing where the rotations need to be. You have lots of guys who, you know, it's, it's – we talked about this a lot last year, and if you listen to me on the radio or listen to me on Twitter – um, I would talk a lot about their basketball IQ and how it wasn't very high. And, and you can see it. This year, the basketball IQ is a little bit better. At times, they anticipate cuts. They've got better court awareness where they kind of just have a, a better general idea of what's going on around them. But there's also times where they're completely lost out there. 
And Darren Ehrman was brought in to fix this, and it hasn't been fixed. Yes, the defense has been improving this year. You see it in the numbers. But it's still, you know, we're not going to really be able to adequately judge this defense and where it stands until we're halfway through the year. Uh, You have weird anomaly games like this that kind of spike the numbers, change the numbers, uh, and, and that's part of the problem. So, you know, and it's unfortunate that this happened tonight, but th- this perimeter defense is the problem. This team was actually scoring okay. You can talk about how the offense was terrible, but you know what the bigger problem is? Allowing the Mavericks to score on 12 straight possessions without a stop. That's the problem. This offense, again, 115 point whatever it was offensive rating in the final six minutes. That's good for the Pelicans. This team was competing with them the entire game. There was It was a close game. Uh, they didn't need to change much on the offense. A lot of people I saw on Twitter were saying, put in Oshik, try and get a defensive stop. He, he's not, he can help you there, though. He's not great at taking away drives to the rim. So I don't know, you know, in, in these final six minutes, Omer Oshik wasn't the answer. He wasn't going to stop Wesley Matthews from shooting threes, uh, from scoring that way. He wasn't going to stop the Harrison Barnes isolations. That's going to be a problem there, too. Uh, Barnes is one-on-one with Solomon Hill, who has played pretty good defense throughout the year, but at times he really lets you down with his one-on-one man defense. Uh, and that was evidence tonight. Yeah, you, you think that Omer Oshik's going to be underneath the basket get trying to kind of alter the shot but quicker guys are just able to go around him it's been a thing his entire career he's a good rim protector against guys like Andrew Bogan against Dwight Howard against those big bulky bruising centers he's a situational player I don't think he was helping tonight he wasn't going to stop Harrison Barnes from scoring um, with those mid-range shots that he was hitting he wasn't going to stop Wesley Matthews from shooting from three yeah you, you can say maybe he'd set better screens on offense but again, their offense was actually pretty good in the final six minutes. 115 is well above their season average. Uh, Davis had eight points himself. He was the one doing the work right there. Drew Holiday hit a nice two-pointer. That was good for him as well. Um, Davis got to the line, what was it, uh, six times at that point. So they were scoring. It's just if they had gotten a stop or two or three, which is what they should be able to do in that period of time, they're, they're right in this game, and it's a whole lot closer. They don't lose by 10. Maybe it's less. But maybe if they get a stop, they don't get caught out you know, on defense, offense, whatever it might be, and they can win this game. This is where it was lost tonight. And like I said, it was defense. You know, a lot of people pointed out and are going to point to, and you'll hear this on the radio and the national media, that they were 5 of 20 from behind uh, the three-point line for 25%. You hear people point out, too, it's a make-or-miss league, and a lot of the times it really is, but that's when it's in close games you want to point to that. Tonight we can point to a lot of other things. People, you know, there were some Pelicans players that were just largely very ineffective that they needed to step up and play well. Holiday did his thing, 17 points. Davis had another 36-point game. No other Pelican uh, player was in double digits. Solomon Hill had nine. He needs more than that. He played 41 freaking minutes, and he scored nine points. Um, Omer Oshik only scored – we're going to talk about him again in a second. Uh, each one more, largely ineffective. He missed a lot of his shots early, got pulled, didn't play a ton. Uh, you know, Tim Frazier's out there doing what he can, but he's very overmatched at times. Terrence Jones only got 13 minutes this game, scored zero points. That's a guy who needs to step up for this team. And, you know, it, it was interesting because Dallas largely forced the issue here at times. Sorry, with, um, you know, by playing Bogut and Bogut playing well and just scooping up rebounds and everything. But 
the Pelicans realized they were so close in, in this game, you know, that they only could play they could play Oshik six seven minutes. That was that was a big thing here. Think about it. You know, you want him if if the opponent's forcing a, a matchup, say Atlanta with Dwight Howard, he tends to mirror those minutes. Um, or Milwaukee, as we've seen in the two games where he's out there and Greg, Greg Monroe's out there. Uh, you need that, but but Bogut's not an offensive threat. You're not really worried about him as much in that sense to you know uh, score a ton or grab a ton of rebounds he's just out there because he needs to be out there they don't really have anyone else but um you know Bogut tonight he did have 14 boards that would have been nice to limit uh but he only scored six points the Pelicans were keeping up with this uh, Mavericks team without Omer Ostrich so you didn't need him he's useful in very specific situations it tends to be against centers like Andrew Bogut but the Pelicans were playing well and they didn't need him there just yet but if you really want someone to blame for this loss, uh, you know, we, we can try and pin it on someone. I think this one's really on, on the shoulders of head coach Alvin Gentry. If you listen to his post-game press conference after, he was pissed. And he should have been. He, came, he said he came out, uh, they came out, and Dallas Mavericks wanted this game more. And any question he was asked, he just repeated that same thing. They wanted it more and louder and angrier. And he should be angry, but he should also be mad at himself. This Pelican team really came out flat. Uh, on both offense and defense, lost defensively at times. You didn't see the, the effective switches, which is what they want to do on defense when a pick set uh, and they get a mismatch. They weren't playing hard in those scenarios. Uh, you know, they match up fairly well with this Dallas Mavericks team. There wasn't anyone you were overly worried about necessarily. Again, they only have two wins, three wins now, um, which is disappointing. And, and so, you know, these players come out flat. Uh, Gentry knows his team wants to play fast. They're starting to play well offensively when they play fast. Again, I told you those those numbers that uh, Kumar, one of the writers of BourbonStreetShots.com, said. Uh, this was their slowest-paced game by far this season. And they lost. They need to go out and force this an opponent to you know, play in a style they don't want to play. They didn't impose their will in that sense. I don't mean do it with the lineups, play big when they play small or play small when the opponent's playing big. You need to go out and play your style of offense. Pelicans didn't. Uh, They didn't even come close to it. You know, again, slowest pace of the year. They had a 92.1 offensive rating. That's just absolutely abysmal. The Pelicans' offensive rating on the year is 100.8. That's Eight points pretty much lower than than what they do on average against a not very good Dallas team. So, you know, th- this one's on Alvin Gentry. You need to come out and make sure your team's playing the style of ball you want them to play. And I know he tried to pull people out who just weren't uh, playing well in the game. Uh, again, like I said, Terrence Jones only got 13 minutes. Uh, the, the whole rotation was weird, but he healed, got in earlier than he normally would. And... It, it didn't matter. You've got to coach your, these guys up better, and there's no reason they should have come out flat. This was a winnable game, a game they should have had, and they frankly went out and just kind of crapped the bed. And it's disappointing to see uh, Pelicans fans on Twitter. I got a few emails about it. Uh, you know, we're very vocal about this, and they're mad right now. And it's you know, it's after the team showed so much hope with that four-game winning streak. Uh, you know, people thought maybe they could get back at least a 500 before maybe talking playoff contention. I think you all can see that playoffs are still just so far out of reach right now for this team. I knew the big thing was they were going to be out of reach all year. You wanted to see just general improvement from this team. And tonight they didn't show that improvement that they had been doing. 
the offense, no movement. You're putting Davis out there with shooters, and he's not attacking the rim as much. Uh, you don't have them working off ball to at least kind of keep help defense away from him. You know, I, he was getting double and t- uh, triple teamed late in offensive sets, which was weird. I would just double and triple team him right off the bat. But you've got to get movement out there so at least those guys can't stay on him the entire time. And it was really disappointing to see. Uh, one thing I did like, uh, we should end on a positive note before I sign off for this podcast um, and starting to do the next one for you guys. Uh, but one thing that was really pretty to see, and this has potential to work incredibly well for the Pelicans in the future, it's an Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday pick and roll that leads to an open buddy healed shot. He made a three-pointer tonight. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think he only made one. Uh, and it was off this play, and it's a play, yeah, he made one. He was one of three. It's a play that used to run for Ryan Anderson a ton last year. I actually wrote about it on bourbonstreetshots.com uh, when the podcast goes up today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening. I'll try and tweet out the link. I think I tweeted it out uh, during the game last night. So at Nola Jake, you can take a look and see what I'm talking about. Uh, and it breaks it down pretty well. But what happens is uh, on the play, you get Anthony Davis setting a pick for Holiday, setting the screen, which is a good move in and of, of itself as those two are very deadly on the pick and roll. Drew starts to drive pretty hard. If that's not there, the next choice is look for Anthony Davis. You know, obviously a fantastic rim runner. If you give him the ball, he can finish. If he's covered, as he was uh, against the Mavericks, you have Buddy Heels who's been standing in the corner trying to get his defender to sag off a little bit and potentially provide help defense at the rim. If that defender sags off, what Buddy Heel does is he curls to just above the three-point line break. On Drew Holiday's side. And all Holiday has to do, um, or it's either side really, is just pass the ball to Buddy Heald, who's going to be wide open. They did this for Ryan Anderson a ton last year. Wide open three-point looks. They ran it at least once against the Mavericks uh, last night. Wide open look for Buddy uh, Buddy Heald, which he hit for three. There's potential there that that play alone, if if the guy is shooting well, it's it's near impossible to stop. What do you do? Do you do you? Uh, take the drive away from Holiday and leave a wide open rim running Anthony Davis. Do you, do you cover Davis? Leave Holiday open. Do you do you play stout defense on both? Let's say, and then you're you got an open dude for three who's going to nail that shot. Maybe in Buddy Heald's situation he won't, but the plan is that he would be able to, and in theory it kind of works. Uh, so it's just a little twist that you guys should be keeping an eye out for as the season goes on. So thank you all for listening tonight, uh, today, whatever it is. I'm a little thrown off by the days myself. In the first podcast back from Thanksgiving, uh, a lot of fun doing this again. I've missed it. I think it was a little bit rusty today, but it'll get better as the week goes on. Um, like I said, a weird game, the 91-81 loss, but there's kind of a lot to take away. And the main one is this defense sucked. Simple. They need to play better. It's on the coaching staff to get them geared up for these games, games they should win. Davis looks so mad and dejected after this game. He's going to get pissed sooner or later, and I don't want to know what that looks like. Not you know, if I'm an opponent and worried about him going off, but at a certain point, he's got to be tired of putting up 36 points, whatever it is, per game, and getting zero freaking help from his teammates and having these guys come out and not play good defense or do what they can to win these games. This should have been, you know, even if they lost a two-point loss, a one-point loss, not a 10-point loss. Uh, that defense in the final six minutes, absolutely atrocious. They've got to figure something out about this. I don't know what it is, but right now you can see it's it's on the defense. The offense didn't score a ton, but that's due to the slower pace tonight. They actually played in that final 6 minutes the best offensive rating of the night. So disappointing to see 
Uh, Pelicans fans, I'll be back with you tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Pelicans. You know we come to you five days a week, the only podcast that's doing that. Uh, To give you a preview of the Lakers game, that's a home game in the Smoothie King Center on Tuesday. Should be a fun one, even if the Pelicans lose. That's a fun Lakers team to watch, and you all know, or a lot of you know, I'm from Los Angeles originally. Oh, man, I'm watching the... Uh, Kansas City Denver game, and they just kicked the field goal in overtime. Is uh, time's running down, and he dinks it off the uprights and in after it looked like it was a miss. Sorry, um, actually distracting. So, anyway, back with you guys again tomorrow, 6 a.m. Have the preview for the Lakers game the rest of the week, even more Pelican stock, only place you're going to get it. So, please make sure you're liking us, you're subscribing, whether it's on iTunes, Audio Boom, wherever. And thank you all for listening. Again, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be with you guys tomorrow. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.